The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Join the conversation tonight on Bell Let's Talk Day. You have a little more time to uh, send your texts, your tweets uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, Bell will donate five cents to Canadian mental health programs when you interact in that way. Just hashtag Bell Let's Talk. And uh, in appreciation for and in recognition of Bell Let's Talk Day, I do have my mental health panel on this evening. And I decided, uh, well, if you have questions, I'm happy to answer them throughout. But uh, I figured, you know what, we can focus the whole hour on uh, on mental health issues. So joining me in studio tonight, we have Sandra Reich, who is a psychotherapist and the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. Welcome back, Sandra. So glad to be here. Another regular, Jackie Miller, who is a clinical psychologist. And very special guest star, or guest uh, guest, uh, is Isabel Duval. She's a professional coach, and she's the author of a book, just came out, Inhaled, a fictionalized memoir. It's a book that confronts uh, basically mental well-being, and um, it's a great book. It's a great read. I'm not through it yet, but I can't wait to get home just to keep reading it, so thank you for that. Uh, it's very uh, thought-provoking. It's uh, It touches on so many issues. It's painful. Uh, there's all kinds of emotions that come out of that, and I understand that this is your story. Yes, it is. It's my story. Uh, it's a story I decided to write because uh, it was uh, strange events were happening in my life, uh, and I felt that um, they had to be um, they had to be written so that people understand what it is to be stuck in a, an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, from the outside looking in, people will often think my God, you know, it's so awful. Why, why is this person staying in an obvious, very dangerous and toxic relationship? So other people were noticing around you that the relationship was toxic or to the world, did it look really like you had the perfect life? No, it, uh, p people were aware, but to what extent can you explain what, what's going on? It's right. very difficult. Uh, and for me to explain with words, it was, I had to write about it. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said before, I, I think I'm more comfortable with the word written word, written word than with the spoken word. <laughs> but uh, so it was the few. It, it was the, the the reason why I decided to, to is, is to really be able to put to explain what it is. You know, we're talking about cognitive dissonance, we're trauma bonding, betrayal bond. Uh, this yeah. is tough. This so is, there was this is crack cocaine, really. That's what it is. No, really, it's very That's it's addict. It yeah, uh -huh. you get addictive to abuse and. How can you explain that, really? Well, we've got therapists who can explain that, being addicted to uh, abuse or how difficult it is to get out of abusive relationships, which really, we're taught, these are, if we're talking about mental health and mental illness, you can have a system that's mentally ill. Mm, right, like you definitely. can have the the entire system where the two people are are suffering from whatever 
if you you don't even need a, a a necessary specific diagnosis, but something is happening to that relationship. Well, no doubt, because it's definitely a dance, and you need a dance for it to continue. Uh, you know, when you were talking, I kept thinking about you know the famous story of the frog. You put a frog in boiling water, it will jump out. Mm-hmm. But if you put a frog in lukewarm water and you just slowly turn up the temperature, the frog won't even see what's happening yeah. before it gets killed, and that's right. how abuse works. It creeps up on you, and before you know it, it's your normal. So I totally get what you're saying. For me, what I, I the takeaway, f- uh, I think for anybody who's out there dating, uh, which was my case, I was very vulnerable when all this happened, but I was not aware of my vulnerability. Right. And these people, they smell blood before mm. you see that you're bleeding yourself. Mm. So that's it's, a it's, very it's, interesting. It's, it's, it's right. So you left. If I can recap, you left an abusive marriage no it okay. was not the marriage that was abusive okay so you left a, a betray you left a it was a, what followed faithful spouse yes to then be vulnerable yeah. to then get involved in an abusive yeah, very relationship. quickly i mean and okay i was making a dry run with my 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 daughter this morning i said you know i'm this is my first official uh, radio oh, hey, interview. Oh, thank so you. Okay, your, your, great. <laughs> my baptism. And uh, I said, you know, throw me a question. And she said, why did it take you so long to leave? Because that that's that's the issue. I mean, on average, leaving, uh, it takes seven times for a victim of right. abuse like that to leave a relationship. And I said, okay, that's that's fair enough. Because she's 20, so, you know, <laughs> and she, she, she saw, I, I put her through... You know, well, she I, lived through a lot of, yeah, of what yeah, you yeah, went yeah, through, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, I, uh, I told her, I said, you know, I said I was in pain. And it was my way of self-harming. You know, sometimes we talk about cutting, right? Mm-hmm. And for me to stay in there, it's like I've, it was a way for me not to feel anything. Mm. As as basic and maybe cliche mm-hmm. it is, that that's, that's the a, reason I stayed for a little while. And then you figure things out, but then you're caught in ambivalence. You're not sure of what it is you're feeling. You're not sure what it is you're seeing. You're not trusting yourself either, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And this is a tough part right now is learning to trust my judgment. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of self-doubt, I think, yeah. especially when things get normalized. Right. Like everything becomes like, you're not sure, is this normal? Is that normal? Because when two people are in it and it's dysfunctional, what can be normal is (laughs) that becomes Uh, your normal. Exactly. If you don't know anything else Mm -hmm. either, and you haven't had Mm -hmm. exposure Mm -hmm. to healthy relationships and you've had patterns where you've been hurt, Mm -hmm. you end up often finding yourself in those same patterns. And that's, not mentally healthy for you. It's destructive to you. This is our therapist panel tonight uh, in a conversation about mental illness and mental well-being. It's Bell Let's Talk Day, so do your part. Uh, you still have, If you text us now and you're on the Bell Network, they donate five cents to the Canadian, to Canadian mental health programs. Uh, so we're all on board talking about this. I mean, we talk a lot about mental health issues on this show. We talk a lot about sexual health. We talk a lot about relationship health. Uh, but tonight we really wanted to uh, to bring it all together and have our therapist panel tonight rather than usually on uh, on Monday evening. Sandra Reish, who is the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, is here. We have uh, Jackie Miller, who's a clinical psychologist, myself, a clinical psychologist, and uh, 
also works in the uh, sexuality field, and Isabel uh, Duval, who is uh, the author of Inhaled, a fictionalized memoir. You say fictionalized memoir. Why not just memoir? Because I had to, for legal reasons, for also, there were missing, I still miss some information, so for dramatic and literary effect. Um, but you know, it's based in it's it's based in truth. And I would say ninety five percent of it is, is your life. Yeah, exactly. And you also have to protect exactly. those people around, mm-hmm. and and so right. And I understand like this is why people use pseudonyms and, yeah, and things yeah. like that. Uh, this text writes: When I receive an interest for a loving relationship, I made a step back, afraid to being single again. I feel that twice when I was in love with my former partner. So uh, I'm not sure what you mean here, but uh, the fear of being single also can keep people in, the fear of being alone, let's say, can keep people in bad relationships or go towards bad relationships. Yeah, avoidance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes when you're trying to avoid something, the, the the behaviors you engage in to avoid something can be more problematic than what you want to avoid. Um, and so just being able to recognize that, like, there's effective versus ineffective coping. So maybe you're coping, like you said, like with distraction, yeah. the relationship is very distracting and that's working on some level, but it's just being able, I think, and maybe that's where a professional is helpful to say, okay, this is one way of coping, but it may not be the, the most effective way of coping. And the healthiest for your own sanity, for yeah. your own health long term. If you have questions for our panel, you want to uh, talk to us about how mental illness has touched your life, either personally, maybe a family member, how you've coped. And I know Isabel talks about even your children in the book. There's, you know, struggling with mental health issues. Like Mm -hmm. all of this is a huge, uh, can have a huge impact on all kinds of uh, family and relationship dynamics. So we'd love to hear your thoughts at 514 From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Our therapist panel tonight for Bell Let's Talk Day. Uh, tonight in studio, we have Sandra Reese, Jackie Miller, and Isabel Duval. Isabel is the author of Inhaled, a fictionalized memoir. It's a book that, a very powerful novel. Uh, it's, a, it's a great read. It's painful read, like it's you know it's it's full of emotions, but you it's written in such a way that it's really captivating, and you really keep wanting to know what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. So, uh, I applaud you on that. I am thoroughly enjoying the book. I've not finished it, but I am enjoying the book, Uh, and and it's full of like there's a a lot of stuff going on that has a lot to do with dealing with uh, mental health issues. Your own partners being in a a destructive relationship, uh, dealing with children who may have, you know, who are struggling. So this is a a lot of people's lives too, right? Uh, And I actually got an email that I want to share with our panel, and maybe you could uh, weigh in on this. I listen to your show every night. One night you gave a website very credible for information on psychology on different subjects. 
I'm, I'm not sure what she's talking about, but anyway, I'm looking for good information on how to handle bullying for an eight-year-old. She doesn't want to go to school anymore, and maybe information on how to handle that and the damage it can do to a child. You had a guest one night on that subject, but I don't remember her name. Maybe with the information, the school would be more active in getting involved. She's my beautiful granddaughter. She's very, very intelligent, but I'm afraid she's getting depressed. So when we're talking about bullying, we're talking about depression, we're talking about anxiety in kids, we're seeing so much more of that. And I know you've got, you have people who uh, work with kids at your clinic. Can you maybe help this person out a bit? Sure. I mean, I think, first of all, what you said is true. We're seeing anxiety and depression go through the roof. And what Jackie said before comes to my mind is avoidance. Mm-hmm. So even in a bullying situation, avoiding the situation is not going to solve the problem. So that's the first level of the issue. But being bullied is a very difficult situation. But there are strategies that we can teach a child to empower themselves. Bullies like getting a reaction out of a child. Mm-hmm. So if the child knows not to have a certain reaction and not be so susceptible to it, things can change. And schools these days have many, many programs anti-bullying programs. So it's imperative to get the parents involved. Like at our clinic, for example, when we treat kids, people call asking for their kid to be treated. We actually ask to meet the parents first Mm -hmm. because the parents, what goes on with the parents and the child is going to have a huge role here. So this grandmother is doing a great job by reaching out for help. That's the first step. So you actually, your clinic is putting on a parenting uh, workshop. Is this something that might be helpful? Absolutely. We're doing something like that because of demand on this. Parents are just overwhelmed. I mean, none of us got a manual on how to parent. No. (laughs) And yet now there is a lot of science on things that can really make a difference. And we want to get that information out. So we do have something coming up on February 20th. Okay, and yeah. if, if people want to sign up or get Yeah, they should call us, 514-777-4530, or the website, helpforanxietydepression.com. All right, so that might be somewhere where this grandmother could attend and maybe get some of those things addressed and, and get some uh, some tools for that. Yeah, there's also a really good book, uh, Barbara Coloroso. Oh, yes. The, um, mm. Bully the Bullied and the Bystander. Yes. And that's a really good read. Um, she's also a great speaker. She often comes. But I also think it's important to know that, um, important for kids to know that the bully, the person who's doing the bullying, that's really, you want to address their behavioral issues because a lot of times adults will look at that as like, oh, there's a conflict. And it's not really a conflict, right? It's you're saying mean things to one child or you're physically picking on them and they're not fighting over a ball, mm-hmm. right? This is not a conflict. And it's these are behavioral issues. And so while for sure, I think empowering, you know, a, a child to be, you know, to take action or be assertive or tell somebody at the same time, um, they're like a victim in this situation. Absolutely. And it's really for parents, I think, too, is to understand that the school is responsible for keeping your kids safe. And so and all the research shows that bullies are mo- are effectively dealt with when like adults intervene. Like, right. Do you know what I mean? Like when yes. people, adults get involved to say, OK, this is there's consequences for this behavior or this is what's going to happen. And there's clear boundaries and, right. and that type of thing. There's also another element to it that we don't often talk about, which is that. Hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So when you yeah. have a child who's bullying, that child needs to be looked at because mm-hmm. that child is is hurting inside. What's going on in that child's life? What right. suffering yeah. uh, are they experiencing? 
that is causing them to be bullied. Nobody is born evil. I, mm-hmm. I don't believe anyway. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not from being evil. That's an evil child, and right. we must you know that child they is also a child. They also need to learn how to handle life and find out what what is going on. And all of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we've got. You're right. I think they're in pain, and I. I also think that what Jackie's saying is so important that we don't want the quote-unquote victim to be in any way blamed. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So we definitely want them to feel supported. Bullying, you're right, is not a conflict. It's yeah. Much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about. Um, maybe we can talk about the, especially it, it came up in in inhaled in, in your book, Isabel, but. Uh, dealing with uh, a narcissistic personality, for example, being mm-hmm. in a relationship with someone, and I, we've all talked about it here in the past. Like that, those are some of the most uh, kind of toxic situations, relationships, and you have some good stuff to say about that, Sandra. Well, you know, we were even talking before the show, you know, where there's a narcissist, there's usually a caretaker. So I'm always curious about the dance is how does the dance start is that narcissists are very drawn to people who like to take care of others. Mm -hmm. So that creates a problem. Yeah. They they go after the super empathic person. Yes. Yes. The the person who can forgive, who trusts easily. Um, Curiously enough, they still go after um, smart people. Yeah. Oh yeah, it has nothing to do yeah. with intelligence. No, 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 no. but, but yeah. some, you know, it could be a misconception. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, because women will say that, like, or or people will say, "I don't understand. I'm I'm smart. I'm a professional. How did I get into this? Like, I should know better. I should have known better." But it has nothing to do with how smart you are. Uh, so we could we should talk about that a bit. Your brain cannot wrap around the fact that you have people that will actually go and exploit and 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 take advantage yeah. and it's difficult to 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 admit that you know and even to this day i mean i i went through hell and back i wrote about it and the book is there as a reminder mm-hmm. still i still go and look at it okay it happened you know wow it's not it's still you it's didn't very, Im- i didn't imagine it no right. no it's like something that really saved me you know i i, I had gone through i i i i did some legal stuff as well in terms of having to guarantee my safety mm-hmm. um but the book in itself was like the period that said that's it you know it stops there and it's it's a it it, it really is, Every day I still look at it and say, okay, right. yeah. Like you literally closed the book on that chapter yeah. of your life, eh? <laughs> you wrote it, yeah. shut the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that, uh, it's done. I'm going to heal from that. The part that I found the most difficult, well, one of the most difficult in dealing with uh, somebody that has just uh, personality disorder is that you are brought to forget about who you are. These people see you as an extension of who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they have difficulty. Uh, they see you as an object, basically. Right. And so... A possession. What, exactly. Mm-hmm. What you like, your preferences, all that, forget about that. If you want to stay in that type of relationship, if you want to keep the peace, that's going to be the price to pay. You mm-hmm. don't exist. Mm-hmm. Keeping the peace yeah. and making yourself invisible mm-hmm. and avoidant. All, these are all the themes Keywords. that we've been talking about is you know avoiding conflict uh trying to make yourself as invisible as possible so as not to rock the boat having lots of empathy usually a good quality can get you into a lot of trouble yes and yeah. and i think what isabel said is true it's like you can't wrap your head around the fact that somebody could do something like that it's like what could you know it's like when you get scammed 
It's yeah. a little bit like that feeling if anybody's ever been scammed and you, you just don't believe that humans can do that, yeah. right? That, that what? You would like just steal from a vault? How is that possible? So when you're, when, especially when you grow up and you're just a trusting uh, kind of believing in the good of people rather than believing that people are, are not good, it gets, it can put you in that position. It, it's hard to, I think, imagine or believe that someone could lack empathy and lack remorse for mm -hmm. other people and only be focused on themselves. And I think that, and that's qualities like psychopaths, right? Is that they don't see other people as people. They see other people as prey, right? What can I, how can I manipulate this object right. for my own needs? The scariest example, by the way, I just watched on Netflix, the Ted Bundy tapes. <laughs> I had nightmares like this, mm -hmm. like talk about the epitome of that psychopathy, you know, and, and having like treating people exactly like that. Mm -hmm. What's interesting, though, when we talk about, you know, relationships or toxic relationships, um, there's also a really good book um, that Robert Hare wrote basically about psychopathies in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Like we tend to think about psychopaths as, oh, just these scary people that live in the you know, in but the they're, dark they're, they're places. in everyday life. But they're, they're working everywhere. with us. Right. right. Yeah. And somebody brings up a good point, says, uh, Dr. Lee, many men go through this and suffer in silence from women. And you're very right. There is a difference is that men are less likely to seek out uh, and to speak out, especially men who are uh, like either physically abused, uh, who end up in these situations uh, because they too fall Pray. Like they can be the caregivers and end up with very narcissistic uh, female partners. So it's, totally. we're not, you know, I apologize if it sounds like we're being uh, gender biased, but we're not it's just mm -hmm. that we're talking about Isabel's story. So, uh, but absolutely you're 100% uh, right. So that's all part of it tonight. Uh, our therapist panel is in our, our mental health panel. I should call it tonight. Uh, Sandra Reish is here. She's the clinical director of the Montreal center for anxiety and depression. Jackie Miller, Montreal clinical psychologist is with us. Isabel Duval, uh, she's a professional coach and the author of a new book called Inhaled, a fictionalized uh, memoir, a book that really confronts uh, mental well-being. So uh, the book is available at booksellers and on Amazon, and it's a really, really good read. And from one of our own right here, I love homegrown <laughs> authors who succeed yeah. like that. It's wonderful. Uh, coming up uh, after the news, we'll, uh, we'll talk, uh, continue to talk about how mental illness impacts relationships. And we'd love to hear from you too at 514-800. And when you text us, Bell sends five cents uh, towards programming for mental uh, well-being. So hope uh, you do that. Right now, let's check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all-inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, uh, it is our mental health uh, panel in recognition of Bell Let's Talk Day, which I think is a fabulous uh, initiative, donating five cents. Everybody who either texts or makes a long distance call or hashtags Bell Let's Talk on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. They've already raised, I believe, over $6 million, uh, which is fantastic towards programs uh, in, uh, in, in for Canadian 
uh, mental health. So very happy to be a, a part of the Bell uh, family. And we're doing our part tonight. So we have our mental health panel. Sandra Reich is the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. Jackie Miller, who is a clinical psychologist. And Isabel Duval, who's our special guest tonight. She is uh, uh, by uh, profession a coach and the author of a new book, Inhaled, a fictionalized memoir. It's a book about her life. It was she wrote it as a cathartic, uh, therapeutic exercise and as a reminder. <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of things came to light for you as you wrote it and, and recognizing all the the mental health issues around you Yes, when you wrote yes, it. Yes, and I, I guess getting in touch with my own state of mind as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yes. And all the questions that come up as you reflect and as you're writing, you, you start asking yourself the questions. Yes, it was therapeutic, but I have to tell you, I have to be honest, it was still, it kept the trauma alive for a little yeah, while. Yeah, that's true. It right. was, it, it, but I, it was um, bigger than me. I had to write. So if you were like you felt this was something you I absolutely had to do it. Had to do it. I, I had I, I had to I, I, three four days at a time. I would write nonstop. I would think about it all the time. It was something I just had to do. Right. It's so interesting. I have a I have another client who's busy writing herself a book. It was a suggestion. I said you've got to put your story down. Like. Also, a lot of uh, betrayal, trauma, mm. a lot of, uh, you know, living with a narcissist, like doing all kinds, like s very similar. It's so absurd know? and strange when you live with such a disturbed character because mm -hmm. that's what they are. And I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it was just unbelievable. Right. And I think a lot of people who live with a, a narcissistic personality disorders, partner whether they're male female doesn't matter it, it is a very destructive kind of pattern no matter what and people will often say well can he or she change mm. what do you say to that Sandra I you know I I never say anything's impossible but you know uh, how about I'm close to the you? eternal <laughs> optimist but I you know I I always go back to my same line it's a dance so first of all you have to look at and I'm sure you had to look at your part of the dance so if you change some things about yourself, the funny thing that happens is either your partner changes or the relationship ends. Right. So that's when you're going to find out is right. you look at your ways. If you're showing too much empathy and then you have a narcissist that shows no empathy, that's interesting, right? So if you don't catch that role of always being so responsible for the empathy, it is possible. I have seen people at that point realize they're going to lose their partner and want to get the help. And if you reach for help, Things are possible, and I say. stick with it. Right? Yeah, you got to stick with it. No? Isabel's no. like us. <laughs> I, I think that somebody, I mean, I, I dealt with somebody that was like an, an arc on steroids, a malignant one. You know, yeah. you're talking psychopathy, you're talking yeah. narcissism, you're talking um, Machiavellic tendencies. Mm -hmm. This is hardcore narcissism yeah. and they have nothing to gain from changing that's, that's the, yeah, but that's, that's the key point if you don't want to change it's not going to happen unfortunately in situations like that you know therapy and therapists are looked at as whatever call any name in the book right we're not validated in right. our profession right. at all uh, i've heard it all you know and one of the key features of personality disorders is that inflexibility and as well as the fact that they don't see that there's anything wrong right. with how they're behaving or thinking right. or acting and so 
you know, it's hard to change something when you're looking at it and saying, oh, it, it's I'm not the problem, you're the problem. And so it takes a really, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of um, skill and, and training and as a therapist and psychologist that goes into working with individuals with uh, personality disorders. It's um, very complex. Yeah, and it's hard to teach empathy, you know? Exactly. Like, uh, you know, I've worked with sex offenders and it's, the thing is, it's not, you know, sometimes it's just about, okay, let's change your, be, try to focus on changing thoughts so you don't behave in this certain way. But you really, it's very difficult to get the motivation to be like, oh, get them to care about someone right. else. It's more about how can you shift your, like, how is it beneficial for you to shift your thoughts? It's beneficial because you're not going to get this negative consequence. Right. But I would agree with what um, Isabel had said, you know, it's, like these are individuals who it's their whole goal is to just satisfy their needs and everything else is collateral damage. Right. Uh, I definitely, I do agree with you guys. I just want to say, I want to be very clear. <laughs> they would have to really want to change. Oh yeah. So if it's working for them, there's no way, but if it stops working mm -hmm. and they want to change, I guess the crack of the door is always there, but you, I mean, the point is, would they want to change if it's working for them? Of course not. Right. I would be afraid of them coming into therapy just trying to get more ammunition in terms of how better, how you know, right. to understand the, the, the victim's point of view or the, you know, so that they can up their game. Mm. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. me cynical, yeah. but I've okay. been You're bitten. talking as the one <laughs> yeah. who's been yeah. bitten. Look through so. it. Yeah, yeah And live through it. And I would have to say yes in some instances. I have experienced that where I have felt used or, or felt like I was being manipulated mm -hmm. by a narcissistic partner. You have to catch it. As the therapist, you have to catch it and not mm. fall prey to that either because then you're making the system worse because then they leave your office and it's like, uh-huh, you see, you're, you're, you're the problem. Like it becomes, mm -hmm. you, you get re-victimized. Okay, a couple of questions here on the subject of bullying. Uh, sometimes if a parent bullies their child, the child becomes a bully themselves, mm -hmm. which is why you need to look at the bully's life as mm -hmm. well. Remember, hurt people hurt people. So always look at the hurt that's going on uh, underneath that veil of aggression. It, that child may be the victim themselves of abuse uh, at home or somewhere else. So uh, I think it's important to, uh, to do that. Uh, many years ago, I found out that the love of my life suffered from mental illness. I found myself the victim of an abusive relationship. She loved me very much or she hated me. There was no in between. Can we all guess what personality <laughs> disorder that might be? In, uh, in two years together, we never once had a normal fight. It was either the most fulfilling love and romance, or I was on the receiving end of more hate than I have ever faced in this world. It was hard for me to leave this relationship because I had made promises to her, and I loved her deeply. Also, she satisfied a kink in the bedroom that, like no one I have ever met before or after. I managed to leave her four years ago and suffered from PTSD as a result. To this day, I've yet to fall in love again. She never spoke to me again. Now I wonder how she is, who she's with, what her memory is of me, and praying that she's doing well. Hashtag mm -hmm. Bell Let's Talk. Well, thank you for talking. I think this explains how it is can be so devastating to and difficult to live with someone who you love, who you know 
you know that their behavior stems from a mental disorder or, or a personality disorder, but you're powerless to change it, yet you don't want to be on the receiving end of that abuse. But yet you love the person and yet you intellectually understand that it's due to a mental illness. But that doesn't mean the person living with it or the, the person who's the partner has to live with it mm. if it's hurtful if it hurts them in in specific ways i know it sounds that sounds cold it sounds cold because people will say like if would you leave your partner if they had cancer no you wouldn't but in this situation when you are being when you are the object of the abuse even though it comes from a mental illness what do you do in a situation like that well, I think you already answered that. It's still not okay. Even if it's coming from mental illness, it's still abuse. And, you know, we, you know, to be cliched, we have to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first. Um, I think the other thing that, as you were talking, I was thinking about, we talked about it a bit before, is the drug addiction of this, is the highs and lows for a lot of people to find romantic love like that. They think it's very romantic to have these tremendous highs and tremendous lows. Well, it's very lows. passionate, but it's a dangerous very kind dangerous, of passion. Very dangerous, very toxic. Yeah, we can talk more about uh, toxic relationships and... Uh, if you have a partner who suffers from a, a personality disorder or mental health issue, how do you cope with it? How do you get past it? How do you deal with it in your life? 514-800, remember, five cents goes to uh, mental health initiatives uh, for Bell Let's Talk Day. And this is our mental health panel with Sandra Reese, Jackie Miller, and Isabel Duval. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. It's a Bell Mental, uh, Bell Let's Talk Day on mental health issues. That's what we're talking about. Um, and Bell donates five cents to Canadian mental health programs for every time that you text today. You still have time till midnight, I believe. It's still going on. Uh, text, talk, tweet, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, you just have to use their filters that, that, and everybody's in on it, which I think is great because it, uh, destigmatizes it brings the issues out and we talk about this regularly I mean mental health issues once a month maybe we should do it more but once a month we focus on general mental health issues with our therapist panel um, and the other times we talk more about sexuality and relationships which also affect uh, mental health of course uh, joining me in studio is uh, Sandra Reich, a clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression uh, Jackie Miller who's a clinical psychologist Isabel Duval who's a professional coach and the author of Inhaled a fictionalized memoir and she has been through hell and back uh, and is uh, telling her story in this uh, rather thick book. So it's a thick story. <laughs> it's quite involved. And now telling us off air that there's a sequel. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> you are a survivor, my dear. Uh, wow. A couple of questions here from our text board at 514-800. What can I do about a coworker who gets angry very easily and who misinterprets everything I say? I suspect mental illness and so I feel badly, but I walk on eggshells with this person, especially given that I am not a fighter. And we share the same office, which is making the work environment very difficult for me. This could be a relationship. Like it's, it's you know, a work relationship, home relationship, Avoiding, you're not a fighter, you avoid conflict, 
walking on eggshells, like all that sounds like a, a very familiar dance that we see in, unfortunately, in relationships. How do we deal with this at work? Sandra, do you have any, uh, any tips for this person? Well, not to be redundant, but I don't think walking on eggshells is going to work, unfortunately. Um, that feeds the problem. So um, someone being reactive, it's, it's a hard one, but you still want to maintain your boundaries. Um, you have to check what's okay with you and what's not. And most importantly, what are you going to do when someone steps over the line? That's the most important thing. If someone starts screaming at you, what do you do? It's mm -hmm. the question you have to ask yourself. What will you do? Will you engage in the conversation? Because if you will, unconsciously, that reinforces the behavior. Right. Yeah. And at this point, wouldn't uh, bringing someone else in be a good solution? Bringing in a supervisor, HR, like don't let this uh, fester or, or let this behavior uh, go on because the message is it's okay then. You can treat me that way. That's right. Yeah. And I think it's important also like the uh, person had asked, like, what can I do? But I think it's also important to recognize what you're not able to do. Like you, you, you're not going to change that person. And so you want to focus on, you know, what you do have control over. And it may be, I'm going to bring in a third party the same way, you know, kids at school being bullied can't handle that by themselves. Right. They need to go. But it, it, that's the situation. It, the fact that you, you want to, it'll be helpful to ask for help. Like that's a good strategy. It's not a sign of, I can't deal with it or right. I'm weak or I'm tattletailing things that might stop someone from going forward. You and know? you have a right to be in an environment, a work environment that is not hostile. Mm -hmm. And that is like, that should be in, in, in the man, you know, in the manuals of all workplaces that right. you, you, you are not to live in a hostile work environment. Respect so, is not negotiable. Uh, exactly. And especially in the workplace, this is a professional, it has, you have to act professionally. And so when people cross that line, you need to be able to call it. And the organization also has a role in there. I mean, Absolutely. they're there to make money, to, 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 to perform. Hostility will not um, help. And unfortunately, too, sometimes in certain organizations, those characteristics that can be toxic or be harmful in relationships, like being manipulative or, or you know, being someone who lacks empathy or being someone who only looks out, some organizations look for that, mm. for people to put at the top, right? right. They, they say, those are the type of people we want. <laughs> and so unfortunately, that, yeah, because yeah. that's can be very stressful for people to work in that environment. Right. Even though they can be highly successful in business, they're not successful so much in relationships. Mm -hmm. A couple uh, more questions here, and then I think we'll have to wrap it up. Um, my husband has a clothed female, naked male, and small penis humiliation fetish. In order for him to maintain an erection, I know you're all looking at me like, I'll answer that question. Oh, Don't yeah. worry, I'm not asking you <laughs> to. In order for him to maintain an erection, he has to fantasize about random women laughing at his small penis, which measures four inches when erect. Would this be considered a mental health issue? I would really like to pleasure him without his having to have these thoughts. Okay, this is a very interesting question because a fetish generally is not a mental health issue unless it causes the person with the fetish distress unless that fetish brings negative consequences. So let's say the fetish is voyeurism or exhibitionism where there are unsuspecting victims 
for example, than it is uh, would be considered a mental illness. So it's, and things have changed over the years as to what is considered mentally ill or not. Today, we don't look at fetishes as a mental illness. We, um, how much does he need this? And by the way, this fetish is called, is called cuckolding. And it's a, it's a very specific fetish that involves humiliation and laughing at and being laughed at. Um, and, and sometimes the, the imagery could be about watching your partner with someone who has a much bigger penis than you, that's better looking than you. And, and so that it, it's, there's a humiliation factor. It's, it could be part of the BDSM, uh, kind of, uh, uh, behaviors, part of that. Uh, so generally speaking, not, but you need to find a way with your partner to see how you might be able to help express that with him or share that with him without it being a turnoff to you. So, and, and does he need it every single time? If he needs that, absolutely. In order to get excited, that might be a problem. So you might, at this point, you might want to seek the help of a sex therapist. The last question tonight, um, I left a psychologically abusive relationship that was two years long and it was terrible. Yes, it was very difficult for me to get over it. I am over it now, but it was tough. Why did I feel so bad? Want to answer that, Sandra? Well, my thought would be that, again, um, this person probably has a big heart and lots of empathy. And uh, when you get into an abusive relationship and you do find your voice, you have a tendency to uh, identify sometimes with the person who's doing the abuse. So I think that's very tough. I think forgiving yourself for being in the relationship mm -hmm. sometimes can be very, very tough. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been part of your process. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So unfortunately, we've come towards the end of the show. Uh, Sandra, there's a couple of things happening at the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression I think our listeners uh, might want to hear about. Uh, yeah. So a few years ago, we started um, a digital download program. I thought it would be relevant today on Let's Talk Day because not everybody can, uh, can come into therapy. So we do have uh, digital downloads on anxiety-videos.com from treating anxiety, depression, boundaries, consequences, parenting, right. and so on and so forth. If they head on over there, anxiety-videos.com or master-life.com, they can get help in the comfort of their home. Oh, great. And a uh, parenting workshop is taking place in February 20th so yes. you can uh, in in uh, the West Island so you can check that out at helpforanxietydepression.com um, uh, Isabel uh, for you where can people uh, will you do a reading anywhere will people yes. be able to meet you the book will be officially launched in a couple of months I would say probably April May but it's out on Amazon and such wonderful so, well good luck with it I'm sure you. it will be a great success it's a very powerful story needs to be told very happy thank you for having uh, me. that you wrote it and I know it was uh, quite a process for you to do that Jackie if people want to get in touch with you yeah, I'm at 514-772-5683, and my office is in the West Island. Wonderful. You can also find me. I have an office in the West Island. I have one also on uh, in NDG. You can uh, contact me through my website at drlaurie.com. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your texts. Know that all your texts contributed to Bell Let's Talk Day, so we appreciate all of the support from uh, this company to you. Thank you very, very 
very much. And let's uh, let's keep talking about it. And let's uh, destigmatize and continue this process. Uh, thank you to our technical producer, Dave Simon. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. And remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>